How do you create art from protests, demonstrations, or even just ordinary public events? Well, that's what we'll talk about in today's episode, episode 93 of the Shuttlebug Life podcast. You're listening to the Shutterbug Life Podcast. It's a place for beginners to enthusiast photographers. You want to get better, you want to create something special, but you don't necessarily want to be a full-time pro. Well, join me every week as we talk about strategies for creating great pictures, building an audience, and making an impact with your images. I'm your photo coach and host, Linford Morton, but of course, you can call me Lynn. Let's have some fun. This is our Shutterbug Life. Hey there, welcome to the Shutterbug Life podcast again. This is episode 93, and uh, glad you're here, because we're going to be talking about photographing public events and protests. Specifically, how do we photograph them for storytelling and art? And I make this distinction because we're we're going to be talking about photographing these public events as as street photographers, not as photojournalists, because photojournalists, of course, they have the restrictions of they are recording an event for news gathering purposes, and so they have deadlines and they have news being the primary ob- objective and usually capturing it with a specific or neutral point of view. But when you're a photojournalist, you have all these competing pressures on the way you capture a story. As we capture it as uh, street photographers, we have a little more latitude to in the way we interpret the story. And our primary objective will just be storytelling and art. So... Art being the primary objective, I think we have the opportunity to certainly have a lot more fun. So that's what I'm going to, that's what we'll talk about today. Peering out the window of a coffee shop in the DuPont Circle neighborhood of Washington, D.C., which is one of the fun locations I like to just hang out with my camera. And I'm looking out the window and I see a very familiar process unfolding. In the open area park across the street, people were arriving with big signs. Some of them were dressed in what looked like costumes or gear. And over time, a small crowd started assembling. Well, in Washington, D.C., that means a protest is about to start. And... For me, it also means prime photography opportunities. So, no time to finish coffee. I grab my DSLR and I head out across the park to see what's going on, to see what I could shoot. Whether you happen upon a protest demonstration or even a parade, you have a perfect opportunity to practice a kind of street photography that tells stories. Today's podcast will wrap up some of the advice that I had spread out in at least three other 
episodes and to at least two other episodes in one of the F2 live broadcasts. I I I want to wrap them together because I think they work together in a in a new package that can be more helpful as you think about these public events and demonstrations and parades and just about anything that happens wherever you happen to be in your town or neighborhood. And so with this thinking, we can get out there and shoot and create something interesting. Now, the... Now, what I'm gonna, the way I'm gonna organize this is we'll talk about, I like to talk about sort of the tools and equipment first. Then some of the settings we'll need to think about. And then some shooting decisions. Then we'll talk about questions for better storytelling. And then a final wrap up with the art, the considerations on, along the lines of creating art. All right. So that's what we're going to cover today. So first of all, when you are going out and covering an event like this, it's best to take the camera body you know best. Meaning, if you just got a brand new camera and you still don't know where to find things and get to them quickly, it's probably not going to be the best tool for you to get out and shoot an event. Because when you get out and you start photographing a situation like this, Things are going to happen quickly, and you might need to move from one setting to the other in short order. And if you don't know where to go to find something on your camera, you're going to be best, first of all, just picking one setting and leaving the camera there and making it work, or knowing the camera so well that you can make quick adjustments. And that's the latter is the better option between the two. Know your camera so well that you can make quick adjustments. It's better to use an older camera and get all the shots than using a new than use a newer camera and miss the shots, right? Okay. Now, in terms of lenses, whenever we go out and we're doing street photography workshops, people always ask, "What kind of lens should I take?" And and for the, and for the most part, I always think a medium range zoom is going to be your best option. Something like journalists are are f often fond of the twenty four to seventy, but uh, many of the other camera manufacturers have less expensive, longer options like a twenty four to one hundred five or twenty four to one twenty. Or even the 18 to 300s or 28 to 300s on some models. Something like that, which will allow you to have flexibility to zoom in if you can't get close and, um, and get wide angle when you need to get context. So look, just take a, a medium range zoom. And for the most part, I, I tend to want to have one lens that can cover as much as possible because you don't want to be changing lenses. Again, when you change a lens, when the lens is off of the camera is when magic will happen in front of you. And you can, you can bet and believe that this is going to be the case. So 
the less you have to do in terms of changing lenses, the better off you will be. As a matter of fact, when professional journalists go out to cover, they usually take two camera bodies, one with a 24 to 70 and one with a 70 to 200, so that they can have the entire range covered but not have to change lenses because changing lenses will always burn you if you are going to do it. So ideally, look for that medium range zooms and go with the lighter version if you can, meaning the 24 to 105 and 24 to 120 rather than the, the big heavy, the heavier um, lenses. Because if you're out there for a long time, it, it gets heavier and heavier over time and then that starts to affect the way you shoot. And of course, you also want to make sure that everything is charged the day before you go out there and you've got ev all your cards and all your spare batteries because the absolute worst thing that can happen is to run out of battery or run out of space while you are out shooting. The very first event I did with my digital camera because I I ha didn't have the experience with the camera, I ran out of both battery and uh, space. And it was awful because crazy, interesting stuff was still going on. And I was there with a very expensive doorstop in my hand. You don't want that to happen. So those that's, that's what you want to think about in terms of taking cameras and lenses. Next, in terms of shooting, when you're out shooting... What settings should you be thinking about? Well, you know that I always, you know, my, you know, my decision tree says you start with the question, is my subject moving? And if the answer is yes, then you're thinking shutter priority or favoring your shutter speed if you're shooting in manual mode. And for the most part, when you're shooting this kind of an event, you are looking for action, first and foremost, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but because you're looking for action, you are primarily thinking shutter speed. You want to make sure that you can either freeze the action or stop the action, and so you want a fast enough shutter speed that will allow you to do that, and then if you want to do the opposite, uh, sometimes you want slower shutter speeds to, to show motional movement to create an effect. Okay, so your shutter speed is going to be the primary creative tool that you use in terms of of freezing action or showing motion or movement. And then to do that, you may have to raise your ISO just a little higher than normal if you're really trying to go for a fast shutter speed. Now, if, if you're in a lot of daylight, that might not be an issue. But if you're out there and it's, let's say, it, it's a candlelight vigil and it's, or it's dusk or something like that, you might have to really boost your ISO so that you can get the fast shutter speeds that you would want to freeze the action. In terms of your autofocus, because your subject is always moving, you're usually going to be looking at a continuous focus. Like So in your Canon, it's AI Servo. In your Nikons, it's AF-C for continuous. And in this mode, wherever you put the autofocus points, 
the camera continues to focus on it while it's moving. So you can just depress the shutter slightly and have the camera continue focusing. So if someone is moving erratically back and forth across the street, you can make sure that you're continuing to focus on them. And then you can press the shutter at just the decisive moment to capture the action. But you want to make sure that you are always, always um, following the action and not having to lock in the focus before you can take the the shot, which is what will happen in one shot or AFS for the single shot mode. So you're, you're looking for that. And if, if you're a little fancy, you probably have what's called a back button focus, which is basically a continuous focusing option, which you move to the back of the camera, which is as long as you're holding that button in, the camera keeps focusing. And when you release it, it, be, it stops. So um, that's going to be an interesting um, selection for you. The other thing you're going to want to think about in terms of autofocus is, generally speaking, I try and uh, always use a single point autofocus, meaning where does the, which, which of the autofocus points will the camera use to determine your actual autofocus? Um, and so you can set up your camera to choose between all of them, or you can have it choose just use the one single point that you select and you move that single point around your LCD screen to the point where you want to focus. So using the single point allows you to be precise about where you want the camera to focus because sometimes there are a lot of things going on and your camera will not know what's important to you. And so if you went to the auto selection, um, option, the camera will choose whatever seems to be most prominent. And it usually looks for people and looks for people closest to the frame. But if you want something a little beyond that, for instance, you will want to have the single point autofocus. Now, that being said, there are times when I might put it to auto selection. and, And it's usually when I'm doing something like if you are, for instance, there's a, a wall of people in front of you and you just want to shoot over them and you're not sure exactly, you're not looking through the viewfinder, you're not lining anything up, you're just pulling the camera up in the air and pointing it down way over your from way over your head and you're just trying to capture whatever you can from that high vantage point. For a scene like that, I might put it on the auto the auto autofocus selection because I don't I, I don't now have the luxury of deciding which of the autofocus points is going to be most important because I'm not looking through through, through the viewfinder. And so in, in that situation, I let the camera just choose for me and I cross my fingers and hope that it it finds and selects something that is um, which that's going to be interesting for me. Now, the other way to to achieve this is to use your 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 aperture and, or your f stop to to help you here. And by that, I mean if you choose a large f stop, meaning the number is north of let's say f nine then you have a wider area in focus. And as long as the primary 
um, subject that you're focusing on isn't really close to the camera, you will get the benefit of having a large area in focus. So if you have the option, you, you just go with an F11 or F13 and hold the camera up and just point it down with your autofocus select, and then you know that almost everything should be in focus and you will have the camera will be able to take the shot and you will not have to worry about missing the shot because something is not in focus. All right. So that's how I would handle that in terms of settings. So once you get all that down, then it's time to start shooting and looking for the and for where the um, where the where the great images and stories will be, and I say that because you know the guidance is always don't look for the great picture, look for the great stories, because that's usually what gets you the money shot. The money shot is usually a story shot, and so what you want to do is start with the action, meaning where is something happening. If someone's just standing still and not doing anything, it's probably not going to be a good option for you. You want to go to the part of the protest, the part of the um, the parade where something is actually happening and there's a lot of action going on, or wait for that time to come because that's where you'll get the best, in most cases, um, the best the best shots. And if not, you're looking for and or the emotion. So what I what what I generally say is you're looking for the height of the action and the height of the emotion. Sometimes the emotion can come without the action. Always go with the emotion because it's the stuff that we feel that we remember. And and the stuff the action is what will grab our attention. The stuff we feel will we will remember. So Always think about those two things when you have the camera in your hand and you're roaming around looking for something to photograph. Where's the action and where's the emotion? And the emotion that it triggers in you and the emotions that they have, those are the things you're looking for. And then your Jack's job is to tell the story. Use your camera to tell the story you see unfolding in front of you. And when I say story, one of the things you want to think about is the event you're covering is a story in and of itself, right? You are there and you are shooting to find something interesting in a demonstration on a specific topic or or a protest or a celebration. But you might find better results if you can niche it down and look for a story within a story. What do I mean by this? This is what you see a lot of journalists do just because you are in a you know a crowd of throngs of people covering the inauguration since we started there let's go back to that as an example since you have a lot of people covering an inauguration that might be the larger story but what you might look for is the story within the story the story about the 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 person in front of you who said they traveled on a bus from middle, you know, somewhere in Cleveland and they rode all the way across and they just wanted to be here. And it was their first time coming to inauguration and they came to either celebrate or protest or whatever the reason was. There is a story within the story. And that's where you might find 
more interest because the big story is going to be already told and overtold where you have an opportunity to be unique is by being more specific. So you look for the story within the story, like who are the people who are there and why are they there? And when you see their stories unfolding within the context of the larger story, that's where you have the opportunity to take your camera and get better and get something really interesting and unique, unique to you within the larger context of the story. So it's you can it still has connection to the larger story and interest to everyone who is who is following it. But you still have your unique interpretation that makes your coverage different and special. So look for the story within the story, and you're you're always thinking, what other smaller story can I tell? How can I niche down this big event into something uh, that's that's more packageable, if that's a word, something you can package and contain and sell separately? So thinking about that, I I talked about in one of my F2 pro, um, live broadcasts, questions for better storytelling. And I'm going to run through them now. There are 14 of them. But if you are if you have these questions in the back of your head as you are out looking and experimenting for stories, you're bound, it, they're bound to help you find something interesting in, in what could be a massive boredom. So we talked about what's the story, who is participating. So in any story, you've got to have a character and a person through whom the story will be told. We're, we're, we're profoundly interested in other people first and foremost. So that's where I would start. I would start looking at the people around me and start and, and just sort of analyzing each of them as I pass them or as they pass me. To see who looks interesting, what about something about them might look interesting or something they're doing or saying. If you've ever done people watching, you've done this. If you've ever, you know, been outdoors at a park or in a coffee shop and just watched people going by and 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 try to create your own stories in your head about who they were, then you've done this. You're looking for people who are interesting and who might be who might have interesting stories. Now, the other question is, where's the conflict? So this is a, this is a, a, a great approach if you are in journalist mode, because journalists are always looking for conflict because they think that's where the real interest lies in stories. You could follow that logic as well, even though you are not. But If you are at a protest or even at a peaceful march and there is conflict, if you go there, it's sort of like a sporting event. You have one side versus the other, and the struggle that goes on makes for a really built-in story that you can very easily capture. So when at all possible, look for conflict. What are the visual symbols? Because... People are, we are visual creatures, and with the rise of social media, people now stock just about everything with visual symbols of some kind, with signs, with buttons, with all kinds of things 
um, the the very first event I covered was a Roe versus Wade demonstration, and people had tape over their mouths. With and that's actually one of the image I use for for this uh, show notes. If you saw the show notes and you saw the image of the the journalist going in close and taking a a, a photo after one of the the protesters, this was them. Being visual in their demonstration. So you want to look for visual symbols because they help you tell the story. And, and then you start thinking about who's affected most by the, uh, by the action. So you have the people who are acting and then someone's going to be reacting to it. And you, sometimes you can find someone who's going to be affected by it and uh, because, and they will usually be reacting. If you are protesting of a certain viewpoint and the people who are affected by it are out there, they probably will have some sort of a response or reaction. And that can be interesting as well. Um, and then who, again, who is reacting to the actions and that not just affected, but action and reaction gives you great, a great storytelling, um, you know, um, approach, action and reaction. Who is reacting to it? Reactions are usually where you get emotion. People usually react from an emotional um, place. And so you want to sort of look around and go, who's reacting to what's going on here? And to see if there is anything visual and emotional about it. What are they doing? That's the other thing. You're looking for the action. What's the actual action? What are they doing? What's happening? You might want to think about how you tell that story. What's important about it? Is there a way to sort of frame this in any larger context or, or look for symbols that helps you to, 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 with an image, frame why this is important? Why do you care? Why does anyone care about this? Um, again, look for anything visual, any images or symbols that will help you tell the story about why someone would care. Now, where do you want to stand to get the best vantage point? This is something we, we pick up from sports photography. If you know what's going to happen and you know where the action is going to be, you can position yourself to be in the best vantage point. I, I, for instance, I know when I'm covering the the Chinese New Year's festive fest, fest, uh, parade in Washington D.C. There is a corner that the parade, when it comes to it, turns you know, from one street to the next, and it's a pretty visual corner. And I know if I could place myself there, I get not just them coming down the street, but them turning the corner, which is always great to, for a show of depth and dimension. And I, I have a great backdrop there as well. So knowing that, having been to the parade before, I know the best place to go to position myself to get the best, the best action, the best images. So where do you want to stand for the best vantage point. You can always find if there's a parade, a demonstration, where they're going to be going and where what's the parade route. And you want to sort of look at the parade route or the demonstration route and see, you know, of of this entire route, what would give me the best place to capture it? But where might I capture where the backdrop is also just as um, important so that it can contribute to the storytelling? Then, 
are there other points of view? Meaning, if I'm covering a subject, there is the neutral point of view that your journalist would cover. But you don't have to take a neutral point of view as a street photographer. You might pick somebody who is either involved in or witnessing and photograph it from their point of view. Like, why are they there? What are they doing? And how are they taking it all in? You might decide to, I might take the point of view of shadowing one specific person and showing you what they are seeing and feeling. So are there other points of view that you can also use to tell the story? And then the emotion, how do you feel? How do they feel? And how can you capture and show that with your images? So at this very first event that I went to, the Roe v. Wade uh, protest and demonstration all in one, I remember one of the more powerful images for me that I captured was one of, there was a nun who had a crowd of, a circle of young students around her, and she was talking about uh, she was talking about it, and whatever she was saying, I couldn't hear her, was so powerfully emotional to her, she had a single tear go down her cheek, and I managed to capture that. And there's another woman who's protesting, thinking about an abortion, and she was crying, and I managed to capture that too. And so what are they feeling? And if you can find a way to capture that, boy, that gives you the more powerful images. And then finally, you always wrap up the storytelling with what happens next. In any story, you are wondering what happens next. And if there's a way to show that, then it gives you an, an opportunity to advance the story, as they say in journalism. So these are some questions that if you just sort of keep them in the back of your head while you're shooting, it, it, they might help lead you to better picture and better photo opportunities. And of course, if you, whether you're telling the, the story in one image or multiple images, you know that you want to think about the structure. You don't have to overly dwell on it, but the easiest way to think about it is beginning, middle, end. You know, how did it start? What happened next? How did it end? Tell, take those three pictures and you're doing well. As we said before, action and reaction is a nice and compact way of dealing with the story as well. All right. And then finally, we want to, we want just one last sort of tip verse or slash caution. Don't forget the art. The difference between us and the photojournalists is that they are there primarily in a news gathering capacity. But as a street photographer, you're there primarily to create art. And so you want to approach it in a way that would be artistic. Meaning, look, you're looking for interesting angles. You're looking for patterns and colors, juxtaposition of contrast and, and, and things that would make for interesting, interesting or really creative approaches to a, a situation or a, um, an event. We know that everybody there is going to be standing and shooting at eye level. So, Maybe you don't want to shoot at eye level. Remember the, 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 the axiom, the first place is the worst place. 
the first place you stop and look at an event is usually the worst place to take a photograph that will be creative because it will look like everybody would expect to see and remember it. And everyone was there will leave with that specific memory. But if you can get your camera away from the first place, meaning eye level, just standing right in front of something and maybe go down really low or go down really high or shoot through something or, or reflect or just maybe shoot the, the shadows or reflections. If you can look for something more creative, that's when you really are, 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 are now taking it to an artistic level more so than just a documentary um, approach. So remember, don't forget the, uh, the, the art, meaning you want to avoid the obvious ways of covering. Walking up to the edge of a parade, standing and pointing your camera at eye level and shooting as the event goes by is going to be the absolute least interesting way of photographing it. So look for something that is is not as obvious. And sometimes we say, just make, think opposite. Opposite day was one of the, the, the challenges, composition challenges we had in the five-day composition challenge that I have. And opposite day says, think about whatever you're going to do, think about the opposite way of of doing it or recording it or photographing it and see it and see what that looks like. If you, if you normally look down, then look up. If you normally shot it from the front, go around to the back, whatever the opposite is, look for that and see what, what that brings you and see if there's anything interesting that evolves from that. All right. So those are your tips for your photographing a public event or demonstration. You've got the tools and equipment, the shooting, the questions for better storytelling, the story within the story that you look for, uh, the story structure, and of course, don't forget the art. This is the music you can hear on just about any given afternoon on a random street corner in the middle of the French Quarter in New Orleans. And that's why a lot of people go to that city for the music. Many people go for food. Others go for culture and nightlife. But tell you what, as photographers, we go for the photo ops. There are tons of photo ops all over New Orleans, and we try and take them all in. We go from the swamps to the cemeteries, from historic neighborhoods to the iconic French Quarter, to night shots in the river. We take it all in. And while we're there, we try and create just a wide range of different kinds of photographs that you can only get in this very special and historic city. I know New Orleans well because this is where I grew up. This is where I learned to take pictures. And so for me, it's just a treat to take you back and introduce you to the Big Easy, as it's known. 
Now, if you want an idea of the kinds of images you'll be able to take there, go to shutterbuglife.com forward slash New Orleans and take a look at that best of New Orleans video. I made it from the images and video snippets of our attendees, and you'll see not just the great images we can take, but the fun you'll have while you do it. We're going back this spring, and I hope you can join us. It will be March 30 to April 2, 2017. March 30 to April 2, 2017. Again, go to shutterbuglife.com forward slash New Orleans to learn more about it and to register. thank you for hanging out with me for another episode of the Shuttlebug Life podcast. This was episode 93, where we talked about photographing a public event, protest, demonstration, or anything like that. And if you enjoyed this episode, you can make sure you don't miss another one by going to shutterbuglife.com forward slash subscribe. And if you just share your name and email, then the next time I have another great episode like this, I'll be sure to send you a short reminder so that you can um, you can make sure that you never miss another one. Now, if you listen on on iTunes, then of course, just look for Shutterbug Life there and follow along. And if you could just please uh, leave a, a rating or review, that's also very helpful for um, us who create podcasts. Now, Shutterbug Life is more than a podcast. We are a community of friendly photographers who shoot, share, and learn together. You can join our Facebook group in between episodes. Just go to fb.shutterbuglife.com. Jump on in, share a little bit about yourself, share what you're working on, and uh, and let us know what you're shooting, where you are. Share any of the, of the images of any public event or demonstration that you that you shot, so that we can see how you approached it. That would be a whole lot of fun, and then you can see what everyone else is also doing. You can, if you happen to be in Washington, D.C. or New York City, you can join any of our meetups. We try and get out a couple weekends a month in both cities. And we are, again, just a group of friendly photographers who get out and shoot and share together. You can learn with me in New Orleans, as you just heard. Uh, just go to shutterbooklife.com forward slash New Orleans. And uh, then we also will be doing a weekend workshop in New York City with me and uh, Steve Rosenbach. That will be May 4 through 7. So just go to shutterbooklife.com forward slash NYC to get more information on that. All right. So plenty to do, plenty, uh, plenty of ways to either find us or shoot with us or just share what you are working with us with us so that we can all continue learning and improving together. All right. Again, glad that you are here with me. I hope to see you and shoot with you or just to share with you online. Until then, wherever you go, whatever you do, Enjoy your shut up bug life. Take care. <laughs>